0: All right, so today's topic is how to use intentional design and curiosity to transform your school. So that's what we want to talk about school transformation and really leveraging you know what I would call like curiosity and uh intentional design. And this, I don't know what you think. You can even put it in the chat. Like when you hear intentional design and curiosity, I'm curious. Go ahead, type a few things in, in the chat. But what are what are some of the things that you think about when you just even hear those words, right? Do you get excited? Are some of you nervous? Like, oh, design thinking. I'm not an expert in that. Curiosity. Yeah, I want to be curious, but I don't know. So will you take like, take 10 seconds. Just pop your gut reaction. There's no right or wrong. And Dan, when people put a a comment or two in the chat, will you please read that? Sure.
1: Open-mindedness from Heidi.
0: Hmm. That's good. Uh,
1: Kim posted action reading. Research uh, strategic steps daily. Yeah. And Amy noted excitement of potential. Lisa just posted substitution curiosity for conclusions and condemnation. Yeah. And Kelly, don't know. That's why I am here. Smiley face.
0: Sweet (laughs) Cool Well we're gonna get you An answer Kelly So that's I'm glad you're here for that And I hope you're able to uh, Stick around for sure Cool And I think um, Cheryl Might be in the waiting room too If you're you're able to let her in So if you don't know me You know hopefully uh, At this point um, You're getting a sense Of who this guy With the curly hair is My name is Danny Bauer I have a picture of the world's cutest dog, too. That's Alba down there next to me. But I like to say that I serve ruckus makers, which I define as a school leader who's investing in his or her continuous growth, challenging the status quo, and designing the future of school now. Like, that's our jam. That's what we're all about. And in 2015, I founded an organization called Better Leaders, Better Schools. And it was really out of my own pain to want to grow my own leadership. Uh, and not finding the solutions that I was looking for. And this was just my lived experience in different districts, you know, around the States. Uh, so I went out and I, I started to interview other school leaders and learn from their stories of success and failure. And that, that podcast changed my life. And we'll touch on that in a second. I like to say I'm an orthodox leadership coach, right? Why follow the rules when you can make them up? And I often tell A quick story about this guy, Rich Litvin, who's coached me and mentored me in some different types of programs. He loves to say, I help powerful people remember how powerful they are. So why follow the rules when you can make them up? I just want to remind you, as a ruckus maker, that you have a lot of agency, a lot of autonomy, and a lot of power, right? A school leader, man, that position and what you're able to accomplish, I don't know if there's anything that has a bigger impact than that. I was mentioning how a podcast changed my life. This is old, old numbers. I'm almost at 2 million downloads these days. And if you listen to the show, thank you for helping it be a success. This podcast changed my life. And if you're in into podcast and you don't, you know, you didn't know that I have one, then I invite you to subscribe. And one thing I'm very proud of is that out of 3 million global shows in every industry, every niche worldwide, uh, the BLBS podcast actually ranks in the top 0.5%, which is just kind of crazy. Certainly a professional milestone. And my latest book is called Mastermind. It tells the story of the community. And uh, I can't see everybody on the screen, but I know Dan's a part of this group. Uh, Stacy's a part of this group. To me, it's really a uh, a way that professional development is being transformed uh, in serving school leaders. And I, I hope, I know, I think that Dan and Stacy get a lot of value from it. Uh, but to me, I'm trying to impact education and change the game, so to speak, one school leader at a time. And we do that through the container of the mastermind. Another thing, and this is just, again, I'm just trying to introduce myself to you in case you don't know me. I've designed a first-year principal pipeline program uh, for the Delaware Department of Education. And it's using the mastermind model, but there's a little a few tweaks about it. But that was a cool thing that's happened in my life as well. And then I could say, you know, a lot of people... Uh, Stacey's one of them too, but a lot of, a lot of leaders that have been in the mastermind are, are principals of the year. And so this is just one, you know, illustration of that. I could pull from many, many different, uh, people's, you know, histories, uh, and put that up there on the slide, but it used to surprise me in the, in the early days. Now it doesn't surprise me anymore just because it happens so often. And I'm so absolutely proud of all the school leaders and what they're able to accomplish in the mastermind. And believe it or not, a crazy stat is that a hundred percent of leaders who uh, invest in the mastermind and say it's the number one way that they, uh, they get their professional development, which is a pretty cool stat. I use this slide because this was a very scary time in my life. Back in 2015, I hadn't invested a penny, really a cent in my own uh, personal development. There's this guy, John Lee Dumas, he had this thing called um, Podcasters Paradise, and I spent over $1,000 to learn how to podcast. And based on, you know, some of those things I just showed, introducing myself, I think we could say that it's worked out for me, right? And that's helped me from, you know, $1,300 to paying my my uh, current coach $15,000 for eight months of work. And I only say that, not to brag about how much money I invested myself, but I've seen a correlation, the more I've invested in my own growth, the more I've been able to accomplish and the higher I've been able to serve, you know, leaders that I I really care about. And so that's just something for you to consider, like how are you investing in yourself? At Better Leaders, Better Schools, this is what guides everything. When you get better, everybody wins. And I just love that image. I love that motto. And it's really like very similar to JFK's, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? If you are getting better, everyone in your community is also getting better. And so what are you doing, right? You're here right now, getting better, which is super cool. Today's a two-way street. I probably worked, I I was finishing up the slides and it probably took about four hours today just to put the final touches on it. And so I I, I could tell you that I'm going to give you my 100% all, but this is an invitation too, to think about what. Uh, what does your commitment look like, you know, throughout this training, right? So are you taking notes? Are you making sure that notifications are off? Every other social media site's down, you know, that kind of thing. And you're here with me just in this moment because it's going to pass, right? So just thinking about that. So let's get to it. All right. Today, we're going to talk about how critics can become cheerleaders, believe it or not. We're going to do a high-level overview of what's called the can-if mental model. And then we're going to talk about the third part is how to use the nine propelling questions. And that's where we're going to apply everything that I teach today. Uh, A lot of the content, sorry, that slide's a little fuzzy, but the book's called A Beautiful Constraint. I read this back in uh, 2017, 2018, I think. And if you want, pick up the book. It's a really good book. There's a lot of things in there. Uh, one concept I'm teaching you is, is this idea of can, if, uh, thinking and the nine propelling questions. But the big idea is, um, has anybody read Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way, right? Uh, another way. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I see some hands. Um, another way that I think about it and a core value of mine is that there's two sides of every coin, right? So there's adventure on one side and like fear and scariness and that kind of stuff on the other. Sometimes with constraints, right? Things that uh, are not in our control, and there are certainly limits to what we can accomplish. We see that as a challenge, challenge and sometimes uh, think um, a little bit smaller because we see all the things coming against us. But the thing that this book does really nicely: what if we saw those challenges actually, actually the opportunity to do something great? And so today we're really going to talk about like how to leverage the constraints uh, to. Do something powerful within your school uh, benefit number one in terms of you know what you learn today is turning critics into cheerleaders right and that that 'll be the first thing I teach and there 's a case study there uh, with Chris Jones you know, something that he's accomplished. Benefit number two is optimism. Now I want to read you this, you know, it's a cool little quote that I got. Uh, and basically it says that scientists believe there's an evolutionary advantage to optimism, right? So the more optimistic that we are, the, <laughs> the better that we can do. Optimism is the foundation of progress, if you think about it. And it allows us to believe in a, a better future and to make it more likely that we'll actually plan, which is like sort of the ideas and the thinking part of stuff, and then take action, right, to actually make it a reality. So that's a second benefit from today's training. And then the third is this mental model, the k and model that I'll share, and the nine propelling questions, which you can see on that slide. We'll talk about how to actually apply that, you know, to your school. So you're going to get a very practical tool. And I challenge you, like, I mean, I'm sure some of you left. Do any of you have any staff members that are sometimes uh, maybe a little obnoxious or a little bit challenging? And they say, no, that's never going to work, right? Okay, I even see hands going up, right? So you can use this tomorrow to turn some of those critics into cheerleaders, okay, or enemies into evangelists. So let me take a, a little break here. And I want to ask you a question and put your answer either in the chat or feel free to come off mute too. Uh, but what, what I want to know is given the topic, uh, curiosity and, and design to transform our school, what what would make today a five-star experience? Because I love, I love asking this to uh, leaders that I serve because I, I think I have a sense of how best to show up and serve you right now. But sometimes I don't know. And sometimes you tell me something that will be a blind spot for me and then I could deliver on it. Okay, so either in the chat or come off mute. Will you tell me what you need from today's training to make it a five out of five star experience? And then, Dan, if people do put in the chat, please, please read that out to me.
2: Danny, I can get started. Um, As I was reading email today and just kind of cleaning up and getting ready to go for uh staff returning tomorrow. It was all yeah. things in this email. I just like it was a good place for me to launch into 2023 and to to go in with some new content and some new ways of thinking. So um, I look at everything as a win-win tonight. There's, I think, just basically the three things you shared there are what I'm needing. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Stacey. I'm, like, super excited to see you here. So uh, thank you for being here.
1: A couple comments in the chat, Denny. Um, yeah. Actionable tools and strategies, which you've already provided some of. Uh, Knowing how to transform critics into cheerleaders is what I need today. And uh, another comment, I need things to take back to staff tomorrow for a fresh start in 2023.
0: So I, 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 it's my intention that you'll get that stuff, right? You're going to get new ways of thinking. You know, I've already highlighted that you're going to get some practical tools for sure in part three, and uh, we're going to talk about how to transform those critics into cheerleaders. So I, I think that's good. So uh, thank you, everyone, for for providing that feedback. So critics can become cheerleaders, believe it or not. And you may have heard of this, right? Brene Brown, I think, made the quote um, by Teddy Roosevelt pretty famous. I don't have this memorized, so I'm going to read it to you. But he says. Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Right. And so I'm sure many of you have read that in uh, Brene Brown's works before, but here Roosevelt's talking about like, You've signed up for this, right? You all are in the arena as a school leader, and even more so today with technology and with uh, <laughs> political environment and that kind of thing, people have an opinion about every little choice that you make, right? And that could be scary at times, right? But it could be a really great opportunity as well to do something remarkable. And so I just want to honor that the fact you are in the arena. And have you ever experienced, we already talked about this, do you have critics at school, right? Everybody should be shaking their head. And that's just, that's part of the game. You know, I think actually leadership would be quite boring if everybody just believed everything you said 100% of the time, right? It would be certainly easier, but where would the challenge and fun be in, in terms of what you can do? It's something I also want to just note is sometimes the worst critic of all who needs to be the biggest cheerleader, it's actually you, right? And I, I tell I tell this to leaders all the time, uh, even though you're in school and you may not think of yourself as a salesperson, you are a salesperson. And you have to be sold on the idea, the initiative, the project, whatever you're, ch- making change is hard, right? And if you don't believe 100% in the direction that you're going in, right, why would anybody else believe, you know? And so sometimes you might be that that critic. So here's a question. And again, feel free to come off mute or put it in the chat for Dan to read out. But what is your default response when it comes to answering your critics, right? How do you usually respond? (laughs) uh, Feel free to uh, be as honest as you'd like in this moment. And while we
1: wait for responses to roll in, Danny, there's a question in the chat about where previous
0: recordings are available. Previous recordings of the success series trainings? Is that probably what the person's asking? Um, Perhaps if there's no context. Uh, gotcha. That's from Cheryl. If she. Okay. Yeah, cool. Hey, Cheryl. Um, I don't know if you're in our private Facebook group, and I've put all these recordings there. Uh, cause the Facebook has like a little guide section in terms of a private group. And so I will make a note when I'm, when I'm done teaching, I'll, I'll put a link. If you want to join the Facebook group, um, you could also email me cause Cheryl, I do, I do know your name and I know we've talked before. So if you email me, I'll, I'll send you the link as well. Uh, so I don't forget. All right. Um, there's a this is all lack again, of
1: responses now. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of responses, huh? uh-huh uh-huh uh tell no, me, me more it. is one response That's uh a defense one. yeah i appreciate you trusting me enough to bring this to me let's talk wow uh, another uh vote for progressive discovery through questions and stacy noted i have learned to thank them for their input and then ask questions
0: yeah you all are much better leaders than me because usually my default response is, what is this idiot talking about, right? <laughs> and I might get red in the face. Do you ever show visibly like your face betrays you? Or I might start sweating, you know, or my, my hands might be clenched up. And so that's about like being aware of what's going on, you know, in your body and that kind of thing. And um, man, there were a number of healthy responses that Dan read from the Ruckus Makers attending today. So kudos to you for that. I just know typically my my uh my yeah default response is less than generous. So some of think about this is more rhetorical, but how do you think the world's top performers respond to critics? And I think you know, we we saw a masterclass of that um in the comments. And then this is also rhetorical, but can you learn to relate to respond to your critics just like the best in the world do? All right. So here here's Chris, and I mentioned uh how he was a State Principal of the Year in Massachusetts last year. That was a picture of us hanging out at my sister's house uh, in Foxborough, Massachusetts. But one thing that Chris, and I, I call him Doc, uh, one thing that he's really learned to do is actually turn these critics into cheerleaders, right? And it's it's really uh, an impressive thing. And anybody can do it. Some of the things that he's accomplished in this school, I'll just give you the wildest. He's, he's gotten, and I'm not saying that... Um, I'm not saying that every school should do this. I'm not saying this is the right thing for every school. What I am saying is this is something Chris wanted to explore. And he talked to his community about it. And they said, yeah, we actually think this thing that I'm about to reveal is a good idea. And when I share what I'm about to share, this is a radical idea. And when I share what I'm about to share, think about how your staff would respond uh, if you haven't made this shift. Again, I'm not saying you need to or should this is something he wanted to do he thought midterms and finals weren't uh, of great value okay and he runs a, a large comprehensive high school in massachusetts and that there were better ways to assess what uh, students knew and better predictors you know for college readiness and that kind of stuff chris had the bold idea of getting rid of finals and midterms right so can you imagine if you even just like isn't it funny you could think a new thought and your staff picks up on it, and they're like, whoa, 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 you haven't even said anything, right? But if you said to your staff, hey, let's get rid of finals and midterms, like, how do you think they would respond? Probably, like, not super positively. But Chris, he turned those critics into cheerleaders. You know, in my view, critics are a gift, and for a number of reasons. One, critics actually tell you how they feel. A lot of people, and they, they call it, what, the – uh you know, the conversation at the, at the water, water, whatever, you know, that kind of thing, right? Water cooler, you know, and people, it's like the meeting after the meeting and they don't tell you how they really feel in the moment. And that's, that's a sign actually of low trust, right? Within your culture. If the meeting is happening after the meeting, at least critics tell you exactly where they stand with you. And now you can do something about it. Right. Another reason that critics are are a gift is that usually they have influence, you know, And sometimes that's just a function of being loud, you know, and talking first, right? But critics are not bashful about sharing where they're at. And they're often loud in speaking first. And that can color, right, the the environment and influence people's thinking. And so anyways, they have influence, which means if you could turn them into a cheerleader, this is a really great opportunity. Critics, because of the things that they say that are wrong, why the idea is stupid or why the idea won't work and so on and so forth, they actually give you a map, a map for professional development. Because what they're kind of saying is, hey, here's all the bad things that I see in your really stupid plan, school leader. And what's left out, but really is what is said, if you actually address this stuff and have a solution for all of these objections, this is a really solid plan. And so now you have a map for professional development that you can offer your staff, which means when you turn around those objections and challenges, what do you think will happen with that big critic? They'll be on board, right? So that's sort of the high level idea of like how that happens. And one of your superpowers and tools that you can use, and I think the, the comments in the chat really reflected this in the leaders that are present today, but it's about empathy and, and, and listening which can be difficult, right? If we're honest, sometimes it's like, man, we have so much to get done. And do I have time to listen, you know, what's going on in this person's world? And and they uh, they uh really hate the idea and I just want them to love it. <laughs> Wouldn't it, life be easier? But if you could create that space, right? And sit down and with empathy and reflective listening and that kind of stuff, like, is that right? Do I understand it correctly? Somebody said, tell me more. That's a super question, isn't it? And anyways, doing that kind of stuff, you can really understand, like, where this critics coming from. And again, that provides the map forward, right? So you need a model and practical tools and and empathy and listening and and that kind of stuff is a a part of it. And that's really all I want want to talk about. Critics can't become cheerleaders. It's it's sort of a high-level idea, but I'm telling you, if you could truly understand why they object with everything that's going on, that becomes the path. Uh, Obstacle is the way, okay? So let's move on to the the can-if mental model. So the the can-if mental model, number one, is a a paradigm shift uh, in terms of how people, I think, default, respond to, to challenges and innovations within education. And then the picture with the woman in the glasses, to me, it's a new way of seeing as well, right? It's a new way of seeing. And so I'm curious, come off mute or put in the chat, How does your staff usually respond? We're going to get some really honest, I think, answers here, Dan. But how does your staff usually respond to a new initiative that they are resisting? They don't want to do it. So how do they vocalize and respond that they're not on board yet? What does that look like and sound like within your buildings?
1: This won't work because dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And silence. A lot of questions. They say they're, they are doing it, but really they aren't. Ooh. And I, I don't always hear the vocalizing, but observe avoidance in implementation.
0: Yeah. I think that builds on the last comment too, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Often the conversations go on outside the meetings.
0: Yep. Meeting after the meeting. Cool. Thank you for that. So. In its most basic form, the can-if model is just one about possibility. Like, again, we're going to flip constraints and obstacles and challenges into the path forward and the way forward and the opportunity there. And so it's really about curiosity and and possibility. And one of the things that I love from The Beautiful Constraint, they said the best, like, can-if sort of thinkers and leaders, they love the problem more than the solution, right? So if that kind of like keeps you up at night. Maybe it's attendance or maybe it has to do with like equity in terms of a student achievement or a representation of, you know, all the kids in your building within the literature and that kind of stuff. But if you love the problem more than the solution, you're going to find probably actually a multitude of really great uh, potential solutions. And there's five benefits I want to cover quickly uh, in terms of the KNF model. So benefit number one is basically... You know, what do you see? Do you see impossible or do you see possible? And so, with the can if way of thinking, you keep the conversation going, you keep it focused on, on the right question, which is how can we do this bold and ambitious thing versus what somebody put in the chat? We can't do this because dot, 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 right? Or this will never work because, or th- it's just not possible right so that's the first benefit is keeping the conversation on the right question the second benefit is optimism and curiosity so this is a, this is a superpower to me for your entire staff and the culture but if you keep an open mind you're optimistic remember we talked about how that's the foundation of uh, progress and you're curious like these are great traits for you as a leader and your staff to have as well benefit 3 is a transfer of responsibility so imagine giving your staff the gift that we are a building that finds solutions versus spending our time and energy identifying everything that's wrong and all the reasons it won't work. And there's actually a time and a place for that, right? Some of you, you know, you've heard me maybe teach on pre-mortems. I didn't come up with the idea. Maybe you've heard it somewhere else. But a pre-mortem is just identifying uh, all the reasons a project, initiative, a plan is destined to fail. And that's a good way of thinking about why something won't work, because then again, you uncover all the things you should be planning for, and now you're a more proactive leader. But this benefit is about responsibility and just saying we're, we're a group, and organization that finds solutions, which is very similar to benefit four. You tell a powerful story about yourself as a school community, right? Who do we want to be? Who do we want to be in 2023? Who does our community want to be known for, right? And so we're a, a culture of transformers. We're a culture of solution finders versus a culture of everything's wrong, skies have fallen, and victims of circumstance, right? There's a lot out of our control. Are you a victim or are you going to find a way, you know? There's a cool uh, a YouTube. You should look it up. Hey, some of you, I'm sure, have heard of this guy, Jocko. You know, he's like former... Navy SEAL guy, totally, you know, inspiring, great leader in this kind of stuff. But if you type in Jocko and just the word good, there's like a, you, and you can use this. This is just kind of like a little bonus tip. You could use this as a, uh, as a video to start a conversation or to inspire your staff. And really the gist of this good um, riff that he does on YouTube is basically he goes through all these terrible things that happened to him. In the military, and, uh, you know, experiencing war and this kind of stuff. And you can imagine there's some really bad stuff. And his response to all the bad stuff each time was good. What? How's that? What is he thinking? But it's mindset. And it's always learning, right, from a challenging circumstance. Okay. And then the fifth benefit in terms of can-if thinking is investing in, in your mindset. So adopting this model develops uh, your mindset for sure. And there's going to be challenges. We know this as school leaders. Like Stacey said, she goes back to school tomorrow. There's going to be something that happens that she didn't predict and it's going to be hard, but she's going to figure it out, right? Um, and so when you have this k and type of thinking and you're about curiosity and optimism, uh, anytime you feel like you get stuck or you can't find the answer, that's Okay. Now we're just going to use, you know, there's nine K&F, uh questions, propelling questions. So now we're just going to use a different line of inquiry to find the solution. Does that make sense? So you get stuck. All right, that didn't work. Let me try another way. Don't give up. Okay. And so there's the model. And we're going to we're gonna dive deeper in the next section, um, just so you know. So uh, don't feel like you have to write it all down. But that's really all I want to say from a high level in terms of KNF. So we've, we've covered... Basically, that it's possible that critics can become cheerleaders, and then we talked about the benefits, really, of the KNF model, and that it's a model of opportunity and possibility. So here's the nine propelling questions, and the following slides, have them all written down for you, and feel free to screenshot this stuff, too. So question number one. Question one for a propelling question is, we can, if we think of it, as, right? So we can, if we think of it as, and feel free to screenshot or write that down any soccer fans here. Right. Uh, I think like the world cup was awesome, you know, and I, I, I'm not sure if you're excited that Argentina beat France or not. Um, but this is FIFA 13. This is like a decade earlier (laughs) and Messi's still on the cover. That's how he, you know, he's the greatest of all time. Right. And the story with FIFA 13 is, um, do any of you, I still play video games, the dirty little secret about Danny Bauer. Like I love video games. Does anybody here either a play video games or maybe their partner does, or maybe their kid does, right? You probably know somebody that plays video games. So one of the most annoying things about uh, video games is the load screen and the load times, and it could take like forever, right? And so what FIFA 13 did, this was quite ingenious. And, you got to think about what does this look like in the model of school, but what if we thought of the loading screen as an opportunity for skill development? Does that make sense? So usually in a loading screen, in a video game, what are we all doing? We're just waiting. What FIFA did 10 years ago is they, they made little mini games in between where you could learn how to pass, uh, attack on the goal, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? And you could earn like rewards and all this kind of stuff. So the first propelling question we can think, we can, if we think of it as, we can make like the greatest game of all time. If we think of loading screens as an opportunity to develop, uh, develop our skills. Okay. Question two out of nine, we can, if we use other people to, all right. So we can, if we use other people to, and now I want to tell a quick case study, Airbnb. So probably most of you have stated Airbnb, right? And one of the things that's uh, neat about it is that you could stay in some pretty cool spaces in really cool cities and locations at an affordable cost uh, because people host and rent out their homes, right? One of What Airbnb found is that one of the biggest ways people decided where they're going to stay was based on the quality of the pictures of the property, right? That makes sense. Okay, this looks like a great place. I want to stay there. Or this looks like run down. I don't want to stay there. Here's the problem. Somebody can be great at uh being a host and having an awesome property and a really cool experience for you as a, a tourist or traveler, but they might stink at taking photos, right? Like I, I kind of laugh at this now. Um, if my mom, and I love her dearly, but if she if she was in charge of uh opening her iPhone, turning the camera around so that we could take a selfie and getting all everybody's situated, like it would be a disaster, right? And so anyways, the Airbnb people, they weren't great at photographing their, their homes. So what did Airbnb do? We can, if we use other people, to take pictures of our properties. So they hired 4,000 local photographers spread out around the world. And that was just a free service, right? We'll take pictures of your home so we can rent it because they, they do a revenue sharing, you know, uh, grow their business that way. Okay, so that's question two. Question three, we can do this really cool thing if we remove X to allow us to Y. And the story here is Citizen M. Has anybody stayed at a Citizen M by any chance around the world? I did only once. I stayed in a Citizen M in London. In Apple, just for some reason, I forget what they were doing, but they, it's funny, they had me come out because they probably found my podcast, but I think they thought I was like a journalist or like media type guy. And maybe I don't, maybe I am. And I just don't think of myself that way, but I don't really like cover events. Right. So I find myself there and I'm like, what is, what's going on? Who am I? I'm not interviewing anybody. Anyways, I stayed at the Citizen M in London and it was a really cool experience. And the thing that makes Citizen M stand out is that uh it is, it is like, trendy. It looks beautiful. It's designed in a very interesting way. And it's actually really cheap, believe it or not. How do they do it? They focus on only four things. They um, focus on the bed, the shower in your room, the technology. So it's like a really like the lights change colors and all this kind of stuff. So it's super high tech. And then uh, the fourth thing is their design, right? And what do they not focus on? They choose to ignore all the other stuff that you're kind of used to right there's no robes there's no slippers uh there's no tea and coffee in your room you know what i mean uh in fact when i came to citizen m hotel um i i checked myself in i went to a kiosk entered in my information i think a key even shot out of i don't know some robot thing and i was off to my room right so they save on staff as well so we can do this awesome thing if we remove X, which will allow us to Y. Question four, we can if we access the knowledge of. And so uh, some of you, I know we're in the Maximize Your Margin challenge. That was a six day challenge that I, I put together um, right before January. And within that six days, the first day I, I shared something that I call the uh, Ruckus Maker eight step uh, goal setting tool, right? And in that tool, one of the parts that's really important is this idea of who, not how. As, as um, leaders, we often like want to know the plan and we make the plan and that's how we're going to accomplish the thing. Well, a better uh, way to think about it potentially is who will allow us to accomplish this thing versus how are we going to accomplish the thing, right? So find an expert, you know, maybe if I want to grow a podcast. Not how do I get more downloads, but who who's like a podcast growth expert? Like who could I connect with? Right. And so, anyways, who can we access the knowledge of? Um, and that's that's a big part of the eight-step goal setting um tool. Who is in your network that will help you accomplish whatever the thing is you want to accomplish? All right. Question five, we can do this awesome thing if we introduce a dot dot dot. So surf uh, doesn't matter what you use in terms of detergent, but surf is an economical choice, affordable choice, right? Cheaper choice, and they knew that they couldn't compete with all the other brands by loading up more science and enzymes and things that actually clean the clean the laundry, which is the job you're hiring it to do, which is kind of funny, right? But the way they uh, grew their business was not adding more enzymes that clean your clothes. They made it smell really awesome. So it's, they substituted that I see my clothes are clean, That I now that I smell my clothes are clean, right? Does that make sense? So they, they invented all these different types of smells just to make you, th- okay, great. My clothes smell clean. And so we've introduced a new idea of uh, evaluating how we clean clothes. Question six out of nine. We can if we substitute X for Y. So what did food trucks do, right? Uh, in one of the recessions in the United States, this is when food trucks really blew up. Why? Because they didn't need a brick-and-mortar restaurant anymore, right? Which has rent, and utilities and all this kind of stuff. Now, there's still uh, costs, right, uh, associated with a food truck, but it's certainly going to be probably a lot cheaper than running a whole restaurant, right? Plus you have the staff, you know, and all this kind of stuff and whatever. So that was something that happened with uh, food trucks. Plus they can announce stuff on social media. They can make it like, Ooh, we're changing locations and it could, you know, build a, a pretty cool culture that way. But the idea is they substituted brick and mortar for bringing the food to you with the truck. Question seven, we can, if we can fund it by, right? And so at the end, I'll have an invitation, you know, to to join the principal success path. And uh, it's just an invitation. You know, I, I hold it um, with an open hand. And uh, if you'd like to join, we'll talk about how you can do that. And if not, that's okay, too. But just like the mastermind, the principal success path is one way we serve school leaders. And often school leaders are like, well, I don't know how we'll afford it. Well, there's a million ways you can do it. You know, there's title monies, which are appropriate to use in terms of leadership uh, development. There's ESSER funds, you know, some people have PD lines and uh, PD buckets. There's some folks, I know this is uh, a lot less likely these days that have a school credit card, but some schools still do. You know, people fund stuff personally as well. Um, You can write grants, you know, and there's parent groups and uh, some of those. You know, parent groups would be quite generous, too, because they know, right, when you get better, everybody wins. So this question is, we can do this really cool thing if we can fund it by dot, dot, dot. Question eight, you know, I call it the hip-hop question, but if we remix it, right, if we mix together a couple things. So we can do this really cool thing if we mix together. Think of the iPhone. That's a remix, right? It took a lot of stuff that wasn't usually combined. I put it all, smash it together in a piece of technology. And now can you imagine life without a cell phone, right? So I got email there. It's a mini computer. There's a camera. It's an iPod. Like, it's, it's changed everything. And so that's an example of we can do this cool thing. In this case, Apple grow our business if we mix together this stuff to produce an iPhone. All right, last question. Question number nine. We can do this awesome thing if we resource it by. So it's different than funding. The question seven or six, whatever that was, we can do this awesome thing if we fund it. That's when you're responsible for finding the funding. Question nine is where you think of a way you could resource it for those you serve. So a good example would be Rent the Runway. Maybe you've heard of this before, but essentially it makes like, you know, high design, like really nice fashion stuff that is usually incredibly expensive, like ridiculously expensive. It makes it affordable to, you know, the average person because you can rent the clothes, right? So you resource it that way. Another way of thinking of it, um, I'm forgetting her last name, but her first name was Tracy, Tracy Renair. She's out in California uh, and was introduced to me uh, to be on the podcast, but the kids pay for nothing at her school, right? She's She has a high uh, degree of kids that qualify for free and reduced lunch and they just don't have the resources, right? That a lot of communities have. And so she has figured out a way to make everything free, from textbooks to prom and everything in between. Now the kids have access to all the cool stuff that you know a, a typical American high school, uh, you know, people are used to. So that's question nine. So which which question? Put in the chat or come off mute, and I have them all for you on the slide. But which one was the most helpful? Like which one gets you the most excited as we went over those?
1: Couple of responses here, Danny. Thanks. Number man. four, not focusing on the, but rather experts and people. Another, we can if we mix together. Uh, we can if we substitute X for Y, it allows us to take something off the plate and to add something of value. And the first one, out of the box thinking. And another response, removing
0: X to allow for Y. Cool. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for sharing that. I do love that one. Access and the knowledge of right and like the who, not how, sort of thinking. And quick story there, um, I interviewed Susie Wise uh, from Stanford. She wrote a book called Design for Belonging, really beautiful book. But uh, I don't know if it was there in her Quick Start that you could download off her off her website. But she told a story, and you you should steal this. I'm giving you an activity to do with your uh, your parents. But basically on an open, you know, open school night, welcome back to school type of night, community night, whatever, she had like two massive pieces of butcher paper, but you could have whiteboards, you know, however you want to do it. And there were there were two questions. Question one is, I would like to learn. Question two is, I would like to teach, right? And the parents just answered, you know, uh, and maybe they did stickies, maybe they put note cards up there, maybe they just wrote on the paper. And then, you know, you got to get the contact info too. That's a key, key part of it. Uh, But then she matched people together and she saw folks that wanted to teach all these really interesting stuff to maybe like build on a robot to believe it or not, how to change a tire, like a flat tire. And the interesting thing is um, never underestimate the value of what somebody can create. And there was this mechanic, a dad who was like, man, nobody's going to want to learn how to, to uh, change a flat tire. But believe it or not, this was actually the most requested, like let's call it a master class or whatever. The dude was busy teaching all sorts of people throughout the community how to how to change uh, a flat tire, right? Just a very practical skill. So you can leverage, right, the, the knowledge and expertise of your parent community. Um, but another way you could think about it too, uh, often we design programs for our students and this kind of thing. Uh, And it's like we forget to talk to the kids or the teachers even. You know what I mean? Like the people who are right there on the front lines. So let's say you're wanting to revamp um, how you onboard students and families that come in mid-year or something like that, right? Well, what if you ask like students and families who have been through that process and found out what worked and what didn't work and that kind of thing, and they helped you design the program, right? So that's just another way. That you can uh, live out this idea of uh, accessing the knowledge of. Okay, cool. So now it's now it's your turn, and I'm gonna um, shut up for five minutes, and I'm gonna put a timer on. And what I want what I want you to do is I want you to consider like what's a current challenge you face right now on your campus, right? So I don't know what that is, and there's no right or wrong, but I want you to think about a project or a challenge you currently face. And in five minutes, I want you to try to think through these nine propelling questions and see if you could come up with some potential solutions that you didn't have prior to being here 44 minutes ago, right? And uh, and then after five minutes, you know, I'd love to have a few group shares because um, it would just be cool. What is the challenge, right, that you're facing and what are some new ways that you're thinking about it, okay? So, and this is something that you could do, obviously, with your staff to teach them the uh, can-if questions and then start having them think through potential solutions. Okay. All right. Cameras on or off, however you want to roll, but uh, I'm going to not talk for five minutes. When we come back, I'd love a few people to do some group shares. Thank you.
1: Just as you are coming back, Danny, a uh, couple of folks had to uh, leave for other obligations, and Heidi and Lisa in particular wanted to make sure that they said thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you for highlighting that, Dan. I appreciate that. Cool. Um, yeah, I'd love to keep these at an hour, but, you know, being able to apply the stuff and being being available for uh, getting you unstuck and Q&A is really important too. So these days I've been blocking off about 90 minutes, but thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan, for that. Uh, sweet. So I would love, is there a courageous soul who would like to talk about, hey, this is a challenge that we're facing on campus. And now that I have these nine compelling questions and the KNF mental model, Here's some new ways I'm I'm thinking about the problem that I didn't have before.
2: I will jump in. <laughs> I was waiting to. <laughs> uh, I think for me, it wasn't so much as, as we're working on some, some budget issues in our district. And we've started some of the foundational work we know will need to happen to be um, transparent and uh, for communication to flow effectively. And we started this process. But for me, I was able to name it with this. So it was that... Um, We can if we access the knowledge of, and we've got some individuals in our community that we need to bring together to give us a more financial um, standpoint, but also a way to include staff in that as well. And then using our state level um, communications and support staff. So I think for me, it was just I named it with uh, a can if model question.
0: Thanks, Stacey. Appreciate you chime in. I'm also curious too. just, uh, your comfort level. Like, do you think you'd you'd use the nine propellant questions, you know, with your staff or another way to think about it? Uh, if you're not comfortable yet using it, you know, with your staff and that kind of thing, what can we do right now to make sure that you are right?
1: I uh, found it was a helpful little brainstorm. And I think like practicing it on a couple of more issues or, or, quote unquote, problems would be helpful for me to get more comfortable using it. Um, so I think that's something I will do, uh, because I do see it as useful um, for that first staff meeting back. The topic that I was journaling on was indigenizing our school logo. And it's something that I've talked about with a parent community. Uh, I've talked about it a little bit with uh, student leadership at the school, but I have not talked about it a ton with the staff yet. And obviously they're going to be some of the most important drivers in making it happen. So, um, I think treating it as an opportunity we can, if we think of it as an opportunity, um, as an opportunity to teach our students and our school community, uh, about the why, uh, the importance of why we would indigenize a school logo and, um, I also was thinking about we can, if we use other people, like, for instance, who has the expertise, who has done this already? And I'm thinking of Indigenous elders or artists, other schools or principals and vice principals who've done this already. And then um, the other thought I had was about mixing together our old logo with something new, uh, maybe to be determined through could be uh, a student survey, a design competition, um, or it might come from um, the indigenous community, too. So those are just sort of like first thoughts.
0: Nice. Yeah. And I I think you're you're spot on, too, right? Like the more it's like a muscle, the more you practice using these questions and bring them into uh, the environment. Right. When you're like, okay, what do we do with this challenge? And uh, no, it's not that it won't work. It can't work if we do these things. Right. And just being able to leverage that, I think, is a great thing. So thanks, Dan.
2: Danny, I'm curious, when you're you're using these questions, do you, as um, the facilitator, start with those questions with one in mind? Or do you have the problem and just let the the, the participants select them a question?
0: Right. My third co-host, Alba is barking, so I'm going to close my office door and then respond to your question. I don't know if you could... Uh... I don't know if you can hear her or not, so um just to make sure I got it Stacy, I think you were saying like yeah how to as a facilitator like how to introduce these questions and that kind of thing get people to use them I you know I'm really comfortable being uncomfortable uh and I love messy and and um defining boundaries and uh letting people be awesome, right and wow. knowing how amazing you are stacy as a leader, and then I could uh make some assumptions about the quality of educators that you end up hiring, right? Um, so anyways, I would trust them to say like, here's the model and you know, you'll know, you have access to this replay if you want to steal the stories that I use to illustrate the questions. But long story short, I would just kind of introduce it and uh, let people play within the boundaries of the questions and see what they came up with. But that's just, I mean, you could be as structured uh, as you might want. Um, but for me, I, I love, I love people that have a lot of agency. Does that help? I see a thumbs up. Okay. But I think people really respond to that too. You know, I, th- I think a lot about trust these days and in the mastermind book that did, did really well last year. Um, one of the research articles I came across regarding trust had to do with three elements. Hopefully I'll remember them, but, um, One of them was uh, quality relationships, right? Another was um, good judgment. And the third is uh, consistency, you know? Um, And so I think like, I think creating a space where people can figure it out and saying like, I know you all got this and I trust you for it. I think that hits the first two in terms of uh, building strong relationships and uh, demonstrating good judgment because it's um, instead of, We all know those micromanaging and like this is all the ways we have to do it type of leaders versus, uh, you know, versus allowing people to figure it out for themselves. So thanks for that question, Stacey. Any other any other questions before we move on?
1: Yeah, Danny, Emma posted in the chat that we can if we think about restorative practices such as restorative dialogue as a way to learn more about our kids.
0: Yeah, good, cool. And Emma is a new friend of mine too so it's it's great to hear you know that you're using some of those uh those those awesome um ways of right dealing with kids especially when they're challenging and that kind of thing and it doesn't always have to be a traditional punitive model so kudos to you to trying to figure out the restorative model at your school so far what we covered right the critics can become cheerleaders uh the KNF mental model and then how to use the nine propelling questions and hopefully it's uh, many of you needed to hear this today, right? So if you agree, that's cool. I, I hope that you got a lot out of it. You know, we we're talking about five-star experience and uh, getting something practical and learning how to turn people from critics to cheerleaders. Um, and I forgot some other stuff that we said. Let's see. How to transform, yeah, critics, uh, actionable tools, new ways of thinking. You know, I think we've covered some of that stuff. So um that was the first part. Critics can be cheerleaders and that they can actually, you know, another way of saying it, enemies to evangelists, but they, they'll they offer support. Then the KNF mental model uh, is comprised of those nine propelling questions, which is the last part that we covered and then, you know, applied some of that. And like Dan, uh, very intuitively noted, right? You're going to get better with it the more you use it. And uh, don't let fear and that kind of stuff hold you back or making mistakes or not being an expert at it yet, you know, you become an expert by doing, right? Learning by doing, as they uh, say at Solution Tree. So um, what was your number one insight? Come off mute or put that in the chat. But what was like the best? It it doesn't have to be I need to hear this question, although it could. Uh, Could be the the concept of critics to cheerleaders? I saw, you know, it's always interesting teaching and running these uh, workshops because I see people write stuff down that I know they're learning something, but it wasn't like, you know, the big kahuna, so to speak. So it's always really interesting just to hear what was what was most supportive to you tonight. Will you put that in the chat? What was your number one insight, please?
1: Danny Kate posted in the chat uh, that she loves the problem more than the solution or love the problem more than yeah. the solution.
0: Right. That's a good one. It could be powerful to share with staff members, too, right? Thanks, Kate.
1: Kelly posted, uh, taking the barriers that critics bring as springboards for problem solving and being proactive.
0: The obstacle is the way. Thanks, Kelly.
1: Taryn posted, uh, number one, critics are a gift. And number two, love the problem more than the solution.
0: Right. (laughs) You know, mindset is a powerful thing, right? What if you, every day, you know you're going to have people who are gonna not think your ideas are the best. And what if you're like every day, wow, these people are such a gift that I have them in my community. Wouldn't you approach the work a little bit differently if you started saying that to yourself every day, you would. So thanks, Taryn, for uh, sharing that.
1: Emma noted the importance of listening to gripes and then turning those into objectives. Yeah, cool. And Stacy, several takeaways, but I may be my own worst critic and we all are i know i am that's true and amy uh, criticism is information
0: it's all data right it's all feedback so how do we use it and that was a learning i've you know i've just started to mature at 44 i think i started that process as a man you know at 42 to be quite honest and uh now i am learning to take things a lot less personally we hear that all the time as leaders doing it That's a whole different ballgame, isn't it, right? But to not take things so personally and just to see it as feedback, as data, as objective, like if you can make that shift, that's a powerful gift to yourself too. So, all right. Uh, That kind of concludes what what I'm teaching in terms of uh, intentional design and curiosity to transform your school. But I do want to invite you to the principal success path. Um, And so if you're open to hearing that, feel free to stick around. Uh, principal success path. I'm gonna get into it, but it's a 10 week program in case you want to work with me a little bit, uh, deeper, I guess, right? Um, so if that's for you, cool. If not, you know, feel free to lock off too. I, w- I will practice not taking it personally, but I know since you did, right, already spend an hour with me, um, and some people, a lot of people are still here, right? I know that you're invested in your growth. And so I think you'd be interested in this, uh, opportunity. This, <laughs> Which is funny because this is becoming the invitation slash pitch, however you want to think about it. But you could steal this part too. What I'm about to teach you, and use this with your staff as well, right? Because it is an idea. It's it's uh, it's something that's been researched too, and it's it's something called the CAP gap. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but essentially, you could have all the knowledge in the world, right? Today, you got really great tools. Uh, you have the right attitude because you made the space and time, right, to learn some things that would help you be an even more effective leader. And usually what, what gets people stuck is the gap between knowledge and attitude and with implementation, which is the practice piece, right? And so if you do steal this, use it with your staff and introduce the cap gap, I would just talk about, like, what do we need to do as a community of learners here to actually implement the things? Because if, if we connect some dots, right, one of the, one of the things that... Uh, can be challenging and annoying as a leader is when people say they're doing the stuff and they're not really doing it. Well, there's a cap gap there, you know, and they might not even have the right attitude, but I don't want to get into that. Okay. So steal that little riff. And so anyways, um, you're invited to the principal success path. The promise is really simple. It's to become an even better leader in 10 weeks or less. And we guarantee it. And I'll talk about the guarantee a little bit later. There's there's four parts really that you're going to get. So one is you're going to level up your mindset so that you're even more magnetic, impactful, and effective as a leader. Two, you're going to learn how to use intentional design to create an even more welcoming and inclusive environment, right? Wouldn't you like a more welcoming and inclusive environment? Three, uh, I'm sure you've heard this before, that success leaves clues. So you can follow the clues uh, left by remarkable leaders that you can use uh, to create the school culture your dreams. And the fourth thing in the principal success path that we give is that you'll absorb and practice the foundational actions that the top ruckus makers really take to consistently create results that you'll be proud of uh, and that they're proud of. And so that's that's what I call the principle success formula, right? It's mindset, design, culture, and results. And that's what we teach. You've already seen this slide. You know, Some people see impossible, other people see possible. But, you know, from what I know about all of you here, like you're more of the curious, open-minded, optimistic type of leaders. John is a principal in Delaware. And one of the things that he got as a result of the principal success path, we do this project. It's in the book. Have you read the the book Mastermind, right? My latest book. Um, In there is a tool called the Mastermind Mindset Scorecard. It has 12 categories of really just great things that the best leaders in in my uh, community that we founded all demonstrate. And we challenged the leaders to pick one of 12. You know, Don't pick 12 of 12. <laughs> don't even pick three of 12 to grow. Just pick one area and go deep on it, right? But anyways, John wanted to grow in candor. And so we made a plan uh, that had concrete next steps and uh, was really clear for him what to be doing. And the feedback he received from his staff after one staff meeting is, John, you finally get us, right? Can What would that be worth to you? If your staff said, you get us, you finally get us. Uh, Design, this is Glenda. She's a principal in Massachusetts. But after doing one project in the principal success path, her staff were coming up to her and saying, whatever you're doing, girl, don't stop, okay? They're like, you got a different energy coming into school after this summer. And please keep doing whatever that is. And so that was pretty cool for her. And the project that she completed was redesigning her school entryway, which is one of the ten projects. Uh, in terms of culture, you know, Becky and Monica are at a school in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and you know their culture is pretty rocking. It's a number four small employer in terms of top top workplaces last year, and so that was kind of cool to see the result that they got there. And then speaking of results, um, one of the things that Scott, who's now an assistant superintendent, you know, we started working. He was an AP, became a principal, now is an assistant superintendent. But one of the things that he's loved working with me is getting a real process to make consistently good decisions. So I don't know if any of you have ever come across, and who knows, I'd, I'd have to really search the website. Um, but there is a tool I have that I'm revamping called the Decision Making Journal. Uh, and, anyways, that's something that we teach deeply, and then you know really help help leaders with uh, in the Principal Success Path. So again, it's a ten week program, and you'll become a even better leader in ten weeks or less. And I'm sure you're wondering how much it is. And some of you have been on training, so you probably already know. Um, When I come and do a full day speaking, no joke, I charge $12,000. This check here for almost 10 was for six months of one-on-one coaching. A half-day speaking event is uh, $7,000. And then um, the mastermind currently, it's going up in July, just so you know. Um, Not for current members, but for anybody new. But uh, the mastermind is $350 a month for $4,200, right? So you might be thinking principal success path is like that, but it's not. I really want to over-deliver and make this an easy yes for you. So the principal success path is just $2,000, right? And again, I want to over-deliver, so I have some pretty cool bonuses. Uh, The program dates uh, are January 15th through March 24th. Um, and if you have credit card, personal school, purchase orders, estimates, like we could do it all, okay? It's 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 very easy for us. Like I said, I want to over deliver. So it might not be new for all of you, but some of you that might not have picked up the book yet, uh, everybody who joins the path gets an autographed copy of my bestseller, Mastermind, okay? So everybody's eligible for that, and you can get that on my website. It's 25 bucks. Then bonus number two is the access to the entire BLBS um, content library, which has three major uh, online courses, the Powerful Days course, which interestingly, like a bunch of people bought that around New Year's. <laughs> so that they were ready like to start 2023 uh, on the right foot. So there's that one. There's the Delegation Masterclass, which is a really great course. And the Ruckus Maker Roadmap by itself has over 40 videos. And so you have access to this for, for life or uh, for as long as I'm alive, I would say. And, uh, and then, you know, the internet is still around. But essentially, if you bought all those together on the website, it's $900. And everybody gets this bonus just for joining the path. Um, for the first 20 leaders, and it's uh, some people have signed up. So there's not 20 left, but there's still some available. Um, a kickoff coaching call, right? So a 45-minute coaching call to just hear about like your goals, where you're going, how we can support you and uh, get you some momentum really quick at the start of the path. And then uh, bonus four are three momentum coaching calls around 30 minutes. So once you complete the path, uh, basically like what are the next steps afterwards? So you keep the energy and the momentum going. And I'm really looking forward to serving some people in that way. And then the last one in Dan for sure is going to be here in Denver. So we, Dan, we need a picture of you and me at the next live event. And I'll start using that on the slide. By the way, props to you, man. Great co-host. I really appreciate your help, for real. So we're doing this live mastermind event, um, July 14th through 16th. It's in Denver. Uh, I'm teaching something called the Leadership Optimization Compass. I could charge $2,000 for that. And uh, right now, I think the discount is maybe down to a thousand. But basically, you get a free ticket to this live event uh, if you sign up to the Principal Success Path. And so that's really pretty cool too. So that those bonuses are only available, just so you know, because there's going to be emails going out. They're available until January sixth. So after January sixth, our program starts January fifteenth. If you choose to join on the seventh. You'll just get the book in the uh, content library and not the coaching calls or the live event ticket, okay? Um, and you can choose what path you want to be on, right? Like, we're all going to be, Stacy starts tomorrow, and she's going to have that big smile, right? Now, she has great support in the mastermind, so I guarantee Stacy is going to have the smiley face, you know, at the bottom row. But like, <laughs> by week two, week three, week four, you know, it gets real. School leadership. No joke, you can't make up the stories that we experience, you know. And so, I I just know that it'd be a lot easier for you if you have the great support and the coaching and mentorship and community uh, to go through, you know, the program. All right. So here's the Ruckus Maker Guarantee. It just means this: if you show up, I should say, when you show up, right, and you do the work, right, I believe you're going to get a result, and that you're going to become an even more effective leader. That's why that's our promise to you. If you can honestly say, Danny, I showed up. Danny, I did the things and took action on everything you taught. But I just don't feel like I grew. I will refund 100% of your investment. Knock on wood, seven years in business. Uh, has it been seven? Five, yeah, seven, going on eight. Nobody has asked for this guarantee yet, but I think that's you know uh, illustrative of the type of results and how we serve our school leaders. Um, so at least that's the story I'm telling myself these days. And just to review what you get, the path by itself is 2000, 10 week program. You get the autograph book, which is 25, the access to the entire BLBS content library worth 900, the kickoff coaching calls, a hundred, um, the momentum calls, 1500, and then the free ticket to the live event, 2000, that's 7,425 bucks of value for just 2000 bucks. If you go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash success, you can apply. And the cool thing about the application page is uh, you could choose, hey, I'm paying for this personally. You could take care of it right there. Or if you have a school card, you could request an estimate if you're going to do a purchase order, and I'll get you an estimate automatically. Or if you're like, hey, I'm pretty sure I want to join, but I have some questions for Danny, you could request a call, and we'll set that up, all right? So thanks for listening to that invitation. Or this pitch to the principal success path, and I believe that ruckus makers are changing the world. I know it. I see it every single week, and again, you can get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash success. So for the rest of the time, I'm just here to serve. There's 10 minutes. If you have questions about what I taught today in terms of uh, transforming your school and the k and mental model, or if you have questions about the program, Or do you just have a leadership question in general? I'm here to serve. And I've I've blocked off uh, 90 minutes. So I'll be here for 10 more minutes.
1: There was a question in the chat, Danny, and I think you've addressed it uh, just about the difference. Oh, and that person's logged off now. Uh, Between the difference between the mastermind and um, the principal success path. I think you elucidated that with the, the bookends and the costs and such.
0: Yeah, I will I'm gonna address this still just because there's people still on the call and um because it's gonna people who watch the replay or you know the podcast, they might want to hear the answer too. Um so anyways, mastermind a little more expensive is forty two hundred dollars, right? The principal success path is two thousand. Path is 10 weeks, 10 projects, project based. And the mastermind is not project based. Uh somebody like you, Dan, right, signs up for the year. And then you get great support, I believe, you know, for the entire year. Um, yeah. And it's going to be a smaller experience in the mastermind because it's up to 15 people. And that becomes really like, to me, it becomes like a school leadership, you know, ruckus maker family where you become quite close uh, with your peers and colleagues. Uh, mastermind is very, both Both programs are personalized um, and responsive to what you need as a school leader. Uh, But the mastermind is a million times more so because there isn't a project-based curriculum. And so we will read some books and discuss, you know, together, but it it really is about like, what does Dan need in this moment? And we try to show up and serve in that way, at least when we're doing it right. So is there anything you would like to add, co-host Dan? (laughs) I know you haven't done the path, but you've been on the mastermind. So I don't know if there's anything that you would want to add. You're on mute, but I know it's your first time on Zoom. (laughs) You are correct. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's been super fun being part of the Mastermind, for sure. And I guess uh, today is a good example of I get out of it what I put into it. And I I feel Mm. um, like I'm growing just by participating.
0: Awesome. And thanks for jumping in because I know it's you and me and Maria Irene at this point, but, uh, thanks for jumping in, you know, co-hosting was uh, super awesome that you said, yes, you know, not, not knowing too much of what I needed. Um, but that was really cool. And I'm not surprised at all. So I want to honor you again here at the end. So I think, I think this is where at least for the recording, we'll, we'll end it here. So if anybody's watching or listening on the podcast, you know, uh, we're here to serve and keep making a ruckus. If you want to apply to the PATH, the, uh, all the bonuses are eligible until January 6th. If you go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash success, we would love the opportunity to serve you. All right. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.